thank you guys very much for leading us in Christmas songs. Um, I am I'm a big fan of Christmas music. I really enjoy Christmas music. I'm really grateful for, for Karen, because I know she did a lot of selecting, but also Andre and their selections of the songs, because not all Christmas songs are actually good. Some are actually pretty bad, and so I'm thankful that they haven't played the what I would consider not-so-good Christmas songs. Maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe there's some that you feel you've missed out on and you would love to hear. Uh, I'm sure most radio stations are playing it right now, so you could probably find it somewhere. Personally, I, the songs that I gravitate towards when it comes to Christmas songs are uh, of the Christian variety, not necessarily the songs that anybody can put on a Christmas album like a Mariah Carey or someone like that, but the songs that you would hear in church. Those songs, to me, are what Christmas is about, and those songs, to me, are uh, what I consider Christmas music, because there are some not-so-good I'm sure church songs, but also not church songs out there, like like Step Into Christmas. I mentioned that before. I think that song's horrible. There's that Paul McCartney one, Wonderful Christmas Time. Maybe you like that, but again, I just don't understand why people write these horrible songs. But again, personal opinion. There's one Christmas song that is somewhat of a church song that isn't bad by any means, but is incorrect. Uh, and it's a song that a lot of us love, and it sounds wonderful, uh, but its its premise, its intent, and its very title is contrary to what is actually true about Christmas. Uh, and that's the song, Mary, Did You Know? And a lot of us love that song. It's a great song. Wonderful singers have sung it throughout time. We've maybe even sung it in church. But there's a fundamental problem with the song as a whole, and that's that Mary knew. So really, you can't have a song with that kind of title when Mary knew. And we know that because in Scripture, there's a few moments where certain things happen that indicate that Mary knew. In particular, in the first two chapters of Luke's Gospel, there's a phrase that gets used by Luke more than once, and it's something along the lines of this in verse 219 that might come up on the screen, might not. There we go. That Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This comes up after the shepherds are told everything about Jesus, about what this all means, and then they tell Mary about why they showed up. This comes up after, later on in chapter 2, when Jesus, as a young child, goes into the temple and basically is preaching in the temple, and we're reminded that his mother stored up and treasured these things that happened. Mary knew... Because she had these experiences, but also because an angel told her. She was well aware of the significance of the baby in her belly. There's a word that gets used in certain church traditions, not necessarily in our church tradition, more in the Eastern church, so the Orthodox church, the Coptic churches. They use a word to describe Mary, and that word is theotokos. This word theotokos is a really important word. It's not a word that we find in our Bible, but it's a word that came up because of a very important reason. Essentially, it translates from the ancient Greek to God-bearer. Sometimes people would translate it mother of God, but really it means God-bearer. And this word came about because at the time, in the 3rd, 4th century, there was a lot of people saying that Jesus was not 
God. And so early church leaders developed this word to describe the baby that Mary was carrying, saying it was always God. This is something Mary knew, but a lot of people missed out on. This God-bearer, this young woman, is a model in many ways as to what it means to be someone who follows Jesus and lives like a follower of Jesus, even though she was his mother. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take some time to look at one of the first Christmas songs, a song that Mary sung or recited after, after she went to visit her cousin, but before Jesus was born. And in this song, it demonstrates what Mary knows and why Mary knows it and how important it is for us to know as well. So in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, it says this. So Mary has gone, she has gone to see her cousin, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John, who we know is John the Baptist. The baby inside Elizabeth's belly, it jumps for joy, and Mary's saying, wow, this is incredible, like how could this all be? Mary's been already visited by angels. And she's, as she's with Elizabeth, this song comes out of her, it said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, this word that gets used here for soul sometimes can give us this idea, this impression of something very spiritual, but the word in Greek is psyche that gets used, and really that means life. So Mary, her initial response to everything that's going on that we get here is, my life glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She uses a word, or at least we get this written down, using a word that's very active in glorify and also very present and continuous. In some translations, it'll say magnify the Lord. That's where we actually get the title of the section called the Magnificat from Latin. So that she is someone who demonstrates and magnifies and glorifies God to those around her. That it's something that's within her, obviously in the child, but also more than that. It's part of her life. And not something that's just going to be for a moment, but that is forever. So Mary is reciting this song that has a lot of allusion to the Old Testament as well. There's a lot of reminiscence to what actually Hannah sings or describes in uh, 1 Samuel when her, she finds out and has a child in her old age. And in that sense, there's this promise from God to her and also this promise to Mary. And as Mary is expressing this promise, maybe she had that song in mind. And it's centered around this idea of glorifying God in her life. And so she continues, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. So she is expressing that she is going to glorify God, magnify God, demonstrate God in her life, who is the Savior, and that she is aware of this because of what God has done in her life. 
When we think of Mary, like we, most of us are familiar that she's a young girl at this point. She's betrothed to be married, or she's engaged to be married to Joseph. She's a virgin. She comes from likely a very poor background, as from everything we know. And she's someone who's incredibly insignificant in the grand scheme of that world. Someone who would very much go unnoticed, but God took notice of her. For whatever reason, God takes notice of this young girl. Maybe it's her faithfulness. Maybe it's the faithfulness of her family. Whatever God's reasoning is, he acknowledges that this is the person who will be the God-bearer, the one who will mother God in the flesh. And she recognizes how humbling this really is, that she doesn't deserve it, that her privilege in that moment is an act of grace, that it is God's grace to her that she could be the mother of Jesus, that she doesn't deserve it, she hasn't earned it, there's nothing that she's done that would qualify her more than someone else per se, but in God's grace, he's giving her this gift. And so as Mary is singing, is responding in song to this reality of what God is doing and has done, she is acknowledging that from now on, people are going to know this humble young girl forever. And the fact that we're talking about her today is proof of that. So she says, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. There's something very interesting about the way this section goes. There's three sections to this Magnificat, this, this song, this poem that Mary is created and is sharing and expressing her appreciation to God with. And in the second section, there's a lot of people who, when they're studying this, they say that this is actually much more of a future tense in the language. That is much more a future sense of like predicting as to what is to come, as opposed to speaking of what has already happened. Leon Morris, in a commentary on Luke, he talks about how this is reminiscent to the prophets of the Old Testament who would speak both of how God has acted, but also of the hope that how God will act, and the understanding that how he has acted is how he will act. And so in this section, as Mary, who this young, poor girl, who's really put herself in this situation where she's going to be uh, looked down upon in society, is reflecting how the God who is with her, the God who she is to be the mother of, is going to be acting in history to reverse the roles of power, to bring down rulers from their throne and to lift up the humble, scatter those who are proud, to fill those who are hungry, and to send away the rich empty. This idea that Mary is portraying, that she is sharing with all of us, is that the God of history has been faithful in the past and there's hope for his faithfulness in the future. 
And that in the midst of her being chosen, she acknowledges that this God is going to act in such a way that is so very different than how everybody else acts. This God is going to reverse power. He's going to upthrow things. He's going to change the world. And here she goes back to the past and remembers in verse 44, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary in this song, as she's reflecting of how God has chosen her to do this incredible thing, to be the mother of Jesus, is the God who has acted in the past, as we read from Abraham, and reminded that God has made promises and will continue to act, and will act in the future. Mary's first Christmas song is a song that acknowledges that this God, who she knows full well, works in amazing ways and reverses the misfortunes of those who are oppressed, those who are on the margins, those who are excluded. This first Christmas song is a song of inclusion into the family of God, of a reminder to those who feel like they have been excluded, that they are part of what God has been doing and will continue to do in Jesus. This song, as I said, it's, it, it's ripe with allusion to the Old Testament. It's a reminder to the people who heard it in the first place and to us now that that God from the Old Testament is the same God who has spoken through the angels to Mary, is the same God who will be present in the baby Jesus, who is the baby Jesus, who dies on a cross for the forgiveness of sins and the hope of the world. Mary knew this. Mary knew this full well. And as Mary knows it, and we know that Mary knows, it should cause us to reflect on, well, what is it that Mary is saying? Mary's demonstrating her character in this song, that she is humble, that she is someone who is not feeling like she deserves this privilege in any way to be someone who is a God-bearer, someone who is to be the mother of God, to be sharing in that hope with the world. And in the same way, we can reflect on ourselves and ask ourselves, well, What about us makes us so special that God loves us? And the hard truth is actually nothing. It's just you're his. And you're deeply loved. Just by your intrinsic nature of being human. There's nothing you have done, nothing you will do. There's nothing you have earned. There's nothing you have fought for that makes you more worthy of God's love than anybody else. And Mary reminds us in her language that she was a servant, and that she's humble. And that we too are to have that same thoughtfulness in ourselves about why it's so significant that we are loved and known by God. In the context of what Mary is saying, she's speaking into a world that has been through Oppression to a degree that we don't know ourselves, most likely. There are definitely some people in this world who do, but we are fortunate that we don't. But she's speaking into a world where uh, those who are followers of God were a minority, for sure, and those even within the context of being followers with God, there was divisions within that, and there were challenges to be just faithful to God and the world that they lived in. And into this world, she is invited to be the one who brings forth the Messiah, that God uses her 
to be the mother of Jesus. And it's in her humble state that she does so. And that she uses the words of magnifying or glorifying God within her whole life and her spirit to do that. Meaning that it's not just something that she's going to do as she's, you know, a mom, but it's something that's going to be part of who she is for eternity. And in the same way, we are invited to be those people as well. People who glorify this God, this baby Jesus. And we are meant to do that not with moments of, you know, surrounding Christmas candles or trees, or, but with our entirety of our life. That we are invited to be people who reflect that goodness, that love, because we don't deserve it, but we are given it. And we are invited to be people who reflect that to other people to remind them that he is the God who works for the oppressed. He is the God who brings hope. He is the God who brings peace, causes joy, and is the giver of love. And this Christmas, I invite you to be someone who reflects on what your calling is as someone who represents that God to the world around you. That it's someone you, just like me, are someone who is meant to model what Mary demonstrates here. In her life, she is to be humble. She is to be a servant to the God who has always been God, and we know through Jesus. And that in doing so, she acts and remembers how God has worked throughout history and continues to work in our lives today. You and me are invited to be just like that. That is one of the gifts of Christmas that we have. That's one of the hopes of Christmas that we have. That it's not just about a season or a day, but it is about a life that reflects the goodness and love that God gives us. Mary has demonstrated this, and I believe that through reading Luke, we can see why it's so important that we do it too. My prayer for us is that this Christmas, we can be aware of the God who comes near in Jesus. That we can be aware of the God who while was born a baby in lowly circumstances in a manger, and we sing these wonderful Christmas songs about, is ultimately the God of Easter, of the death and resurrection, and the one who offers us forgiveness of sins and life in all of its fullness. And that we too can know what Mary knew, even though she might have forgot it sometimes. And we can know that for the rest of the days of our lives. And I pray this all for us. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are uh, the God who has acted, will act, and is with us. That through Mary we can see what it means and what it looks like to live as a person who is, is humble, who is a servant of you, who follows your guidance and is reminded and remembers how you've acted and what acted and will act in the future. Father, I pray that each of us comes to know that, that this Christmas, that as we uh, reflect on what it means to celebrate, to wait, to anticipate Jesus in that first century world and in the world that we are in now, that we can be people who demonstrate that waiting through our actions, through our words, through our thoughts. People who demonstrate that hope that peace, that joy, that love that you give and in essence are. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we open our hearts and our minds to you, 
this Christmas season, but not just this Christmas season, always. And that we are open to what you have for us as we too choose to glorify you in our life every day and for eternity. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.